Today's episode is sponsored by the Rising Tide Mastermind. The Rising Tide Mastermind is where people just like you get together every week to help each other with issues. Let's face it, issues are hard, so why start from square one when somebody can tell you what they've done with a similar issue? If this sounds like something that's interesting to you, Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if the Rising Tide Mastermind is right for you. Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. My name is Trace Blackmore. I get to host this fantastic podcast and come to you each and every week with great information, with great guests, with ideas that you, the Scaling Up Nation, send to me and my team. Thank you so much for allowing me to have such a fantastic job. I can't tell you how much I enjoy what I do each and every week on this podcast. And Nation, something that I also enjoy so much is when we have the hang, we just had the hang yesterday, and thank you for everybody that came to the hang. So if you want to learn about the next hang, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash hang. We'll have all the information about that. It will give a calendar invite to you. You will put that in your calendar so you can guard that time and even tell others about it. I hope to see you on future hangs. It's one of the best things that I think we do in the Scaling Up H2O community. Just allows us to meet each other and enjoy the fact that we all understand what our jobs are. So again, that's scalinguph2o.com forward slash hang. Another thing I'll mention last week I mentioned that we did have the CWT course all ready to go again. Of course, it's the CWT practice exam course. So if this is something that you have been putting off, what a great goal for the new year for you to take your certified water technologist examination. I would be so incredibly delighted if we just had record number of people take their CWT and pass their CWT and get their CWT in 2023. So to help you with that, if you go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash academy, you will see that there is a CWT practice exam course for you. There is a free version of that course where it's us going through the CWT handbook, and then we've created our own practice test. So to get access to that, there is a fee, but it will allow you to build confidence and know what you know, what you need to study, and give you some test-taking techniques so you can derive a more plausible answer when you have no idea which one of the four possible answers it could be. So we're going to teach you some tips and logic thinking techniques. I'm even going to show you how to stay calm if you start to panic during a test. So all of those things are within the course, and you can find that at scalinguph2o.com forward slash academy. 
Nation, last week we interviewed James McDonald and he introduced us to the new section that we are doing each and every week called Periodic Water with James. And here is a brand new installment. Hello and welcome to the Periodic Water Table with James, where we think and learn about water chemistry drop by drop. Please use your week to search online, ask your colleagues, or even pick up a book to learn more about each week's periodic water table topic. If you do, at the end of the year, you'll be 52 water chemistry smarter. So let's raise the water table of knowledge together and get started. Today's topic is... PTSA. With the right lighting, this molecule has a certain glow about it. Why is PTSA used? Can PTSA be used in both cooling towers and boilers? Why or why not? How about closed loops? What does PTSA stand for? What is a typical dosage of PTSA? How is the concentration of PTSA measured? What can cause PTSA to degrade? Is PTSA compatible with all biocides? Why did PTSA come into more widespread use within the last decade or so? Should other parameters be measured regularly in addition to PTSA? Or can one rely solely upon the PTSA reading when monitoring product dosage? Remember, knowledge is power, and taking the time to learn more about water chemistry each week will help make you a force to be reckoned with. Be sure to post what you learn to social media and tag it with hashtag watertable23 and hashtag scalingupH2O. I look forward to learning more from you. As always, thank you, James. And I'm just going to go straight into the conclusion of the interview with James McDonald. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the conclusion of last week's interview. What are we doing this year? Give us a little hint. Of course, there's no hint. Yeah. We revealed it last week, but we're talking about it this week. So what, what is going on this year? Well, this year, we have the periodic water table with James. And so the, the periodic water table with James, we're focusing on the chemistry of what we do all year round. And so there are certainly far more than 52 atoms or water molecules we deal with in our job. But if, if you focus on each of these each week, by the time this year comes to an end, you will be a 52 water chemistry smarter than you were when you first started. And what I'm hoping people do with the periodic table or periodic water table with James isn't quite rolling off on my lips yet out of my mouth yet. But what I'm hoping people will do with, with Periodic Water Table James will be to take this each week, maybe have that molecule, have that atom stick in their minds so that when they're at the next account and they're waiting at the guard shack for someone to, to approve them to drive on back or, or walk on back, they're pulling out their cell phone and they're looking up PBTC or PTSA or, or what have you. They're learning a bit more about it. When they're standing in line at, at a fast food restaurant or, or at Walmart or something, they're bringing out their cell phone and they're learning more about it. When they're at home, they're pulling out their books and they're looking it up and learning more about it. Or maybe they're hopping on their phone and calling their technical manager and asking questions about it. But I'm hoping each week it sticks in their minds and it fuels a reason for them to focus on that molecule, that atom that week to learn just a little bit more. And I'm going to be doing the same thing because I certainly don't know everything about everything I'll be sharing each week. So I'll, I'll be on my phone, I'll be in my books, and I'll be asking those around me more about each of the molecules and each of the atoms. 
Can you give us an example of what we can expect? Yes, I was thinking, you know, one week coming up, the topic actually is going to be nitrate. So here's a spoiler for you. But anyway, nitrate. And what all can I learn about nitrite? And I was wondering, Trace, perhaps you and I can bounce back and forth. You, you ask a question, I'll try and answer it. Nitrite. Okay, so in rapid fire style? Rapid fire style, yep. All right, are you ready? I am ready. Here we go. So uh, how about what is the chemical formula? Well, nitrite is NO2, but a common form of nitrite is sodium nitrite, which is NaNO2. So there is a difference. And nitrate is NO3. So don't confuse your nitrites and nitrates, please. You never want to do that. How about the molecular weight? Well, for nitrite, NO2 is 46, but sodium nitrite is 69. What is nitrite used for? It is used as an anodic corrosion inhibitor for mild steel. Cast iron can also be used for galvanized steel and reportedly has a positive corrosion influence on aluminum and tin as well. Wow. What's its functionality? Functionality? Well, if it forms an impervious oxide film to protect the metal from further attack, and the layer is formed by a combined action of both nitrite and dissolved oxygen and then kept in repair by nitrite alone. And I found one interesting fact as I was reading it where they were talking about how nitrite itself is not consumed largely from the water. You know, you, you don't see large drops as it's forming as passivated layer because it's such a thin film as well. So that, that kind of made me think about the mechanism of what was happening at the surface and you know how thick or thin it might be. James, how do you test for it? That's a question you should always ask because not everything has a test in the field you can run. And luckily, as we probably know, nitrite can be tested in the field, whether it be a colorimeter or a spectrophotometer or drop test, a potassium permanganate test. Perhaps, but it can be field tested. Not everything is. When you test for something, you have to have a range. Uh, what's the dosage range? Well, quite oftentimes, you'll see out there in literature between 300 to 2,000 ppm as nitrite, NO2. But don't forget, it can be expressed differently as well. It can be expressed as sodium nitrite. And that's important to know the difference because to convert from nitrite to sodium nitrite, you multiply nitrite by 1.5. That's a big multiplier. So if, you, if you're not talking apples to apples, you're talking apples to oranges, you may be out of range and not know it. Any issues with the nitrites too low in the system? That's actually one of the most interesting things I think about nitrite because nitrite is an anodic corrosion inhibitor. And so the anode in a battery is where the metal loss is occurring. And if your nitrite levels are too low and that passivated film, that oxide film, gets any breaks in it and you localize those anodes, that's where you're going to lose metal. That's where you're going to get pits forming. And I've heard nitrite referred to as a dangerous corrosion inhibitor because having too low levels of nitrite can be worse than having no nitrite because of the pitting that can occur. Yeah, we're not protecting the cathode at all, and all those cathodes are fighting over the anodes. Fighting over the anodes, exactly. Well, are there any issues if there's too high a level of nitrite in the system? 
In one way, you want to say no because it's a waste of chemical going that high. You're not gaining anything more. But digging deeper, it is, yes, there certainly can be issues depending upon how high you go. I know nitrite, I've seen it happen myself, at high concentrations can actually start to damage mechanical seals, gaskets, hosing. Um, Nitrite itself can behave as a mild oxidant, so it can damage those things. And even on the mechanical seals, as little bit of amounts of water get past those mechanical seals when you have high levels of dissolved solids, which if you have high nitrite, it is a dissolved solid. Under the heat of that mechanical seal, the water can evaporate away and you end up with basically sandpaper left, all those dissolved solids abrading away your seal. And I've certainly seen damaged seals because of this too. Not often, but it's been seen. That was the same metaphor my father used, sandpaper. Sandpaper? Good. See, I'm in good company then. (laughs) Do microbiological activity have impact on nitrite levels? Yes, they certainly can. The nitrite is is bug food. It can be. And nitrifying and denitrifying bacteria are nourished by it, that they can convert them to nitrates and ammonia and and nitrogen, all depending upon the species and which way they're going. You know, you want to use non-oxidizing biocides to control the microbiological effects. And um, if you're in a system, you have a closed system using nitrite on, and you're losing your nitrite, but your conductivity is the same, you don't see any water um, makeup coming in, you're watching your water meters and everything else is the same, probably have some microbiological activity in there, consuming your nitrite, converting it into other things. And um, I actually did an industrial water treatment comic based upon nitrite and microbes being within within the closed system. And um, I show in the comic, it's a two-panel comic, and on the left, I have all kinds of little nitrite molecules floating around in there, and these microbes are in there. And one of them is holding his staff, and he says, this is the land of plenty of our, that our ancestors spoke of, all the nitrite you can eat. And then one of the little uh, microbes in the corner has a thought bubble saying, I feel like I'm being watched. And then on the right panel, you have an industrial water treatment professional standing there talking to his customer, telling him your nitrite has dropped while conductivity has remained the same with zero makeup water recorded. I suspect unwanted microbiological activity in your closed loop. Let's run some tests and start making plans to add an antimicrobial if results are positive. I love that. And if I recall, Mr. Charlie Baxter had a problem with that as well. You're exactly right. Mr. Charlie Baxter did, and they solved it in the end. That's right. So uh, I had to practice to get up high when I said, oh, what? I I can't do it right now, but uh, so (laughs) many people commented on that. All right, James, the only other question I can think of are, are there any incompatibilities that we should know about? Well, you're using nitrite, probably, usually in a closed loop. And if you have microbes growing in there, um, you may want, want to add in a biocide. Well, typically oxidizing biocides are not recommended to be used with nitrate because there, there is a reaction that, that will occur. You can oxidize it. And at the same time, there are still people who may at times treat a closed loop with adjusting the pH and removing the oxygen with this a sulfite-based chemistry. And sulfites also don't combine well. And oxygen scavengers, um, reducers, don't combine well with nitrite either. And you might want to think as well, you know, increased levels of chlorides, increases conductivity, increased corrosivity. And so there are other factors that that may increase the required concentration pro-corrosion as well. So different ways of thinking about incompatibilities. 
I'm tapped out. I cannot think of any other questions to ask you. Wow, you know quite a bit about our favorite polyatomic ion, nitrite. <laughs> there you go. But that's what you should do each week as you're out there thinking about each of these with these challenges, with the periodic water table with James. Think about all the different things. What happens if I'm too high? What happens if I'm too low? How do I test for it? Can I test for it in the field or only in the lab? Um, is it incompatible with anything? Does temperature affect it? pH affect it? How soluble is it? What are the dosages? Is there a synergy between it and something else? And what are the forms it exists in? What is its molecular weight? How do I convert between this and another form? There's so many questions you can ask and so many answers you can find. We are all going to be so smart by the year end. Yes, we are. <laughs> I love it. Well, James, several times you brought up the cartoons that you create. How did you become inspired to do those cartoons? Well, it all started with the pandemic. And I was, um, I guess, lucky enough when the p pandemic started where I'm primarily in the office now. I don't get out in the field as much as, as I used to. And so my work shifted from the office to my home office. And at the same time, my kids also shifted from school to home when that started at the beginning of 2020. And I was looking for a project for my kids. And I found a YouTube video on how to draw a superhero. So my kids and I did that, and we had lots of fun doing it, and I really enjoyed that experience. Then about the same time, my daughter, who is 15 now, but was about 12 at the time, is, is a fantastic artist. She had gotten this app on her iPad. It's Procreate is the name of the app. It's a great drawing app. It really is very, very powerful. She was showing me how to use it, and I was thinking about my experience of drawing the superhero. Then I started thinking about my water experience and drawing a, um, an industrial water superhero, of course, that, that would pop into my head. And um, I started drawing and playing around. And my very first comic that came out in May of 2020 the very first one, I was thinking about how lucky I was to be sitting at home in the safety of my home as this pandemic was going on. And I was thinking about all those field reps out there, industrial water treatment professionals, facing the customers, facing the world each and every day, giving me the luxury of sitting in my home office. And they were my heroes. They really were. I have not forgotten that. I will not for forget that. And so my very first industrial water treatment cartoon is just two simple panels. And the first one has a guy in a tie looking at you, the, the reader. And the, and the narration says, they get caught in machinery, twisted around pump shafts, and smashed in gears. They get chemicals on them. They get ripped. And then the second panel, you see a boiler, you see an industrial water treatment professional looking at the boiler with his back to you, and he's holding a briefcase, and he's wearing a cape, and it's ripped, and it has H2O on it, and it's in tatters, and the narration ends with, that's why not all heroes wear capes. So my very first industrial water treatment comic was an homage to the industrial water treatment professionals on the front lines every day facing the world. And from there, it just expanded because being taught industrial water treatment, and then over the years as I've taught others and experienced various and sundry things, 
there's a lot of humor in what we do. We, we may not recognize it every single day, but there's humor in the way we flick our graduated cylinders and the way we stir our casserole dishes and in the way we talk to our customers and the way we train each other. And when, when, when interferences pop up and we don't quite understand them, there could be humor in there as well. When we leave caps on our pH probes, there's humor in that, you know. So that's where it started um, from. It started from a project with my kids. It started from thinking about what allowed me to sit at home and be safe while other people were on the front lines. Jace, how many have there been? There have been 111, which I wow. find amazing. 111 of them over the years. And there's more to come. I have a little list of those as well. So as I'm thinking in the back of my mind throughout the day, an idea pops up, I open up the list on my phone and stick it in there. If somebody is scrolling through their LinkedIn and they can't find all of them, is there one place that they can go and just see all of them? Yes, absolutely. I store them all on the industrialwaterscience.com webpage, and you can go to www.industrialwaterscience.com forward slash fun, F-U-N, if you wish to go to them directly. And like, uh, like Trace, like you mentioned, if you're on LinkedIn, you can follow hashtag IWTFun, and it'll bring up all of them as well, or most of them. So James, you've mentioned a couple of your favorites. Are there some more? There are, and I was thinking about this before we started the show, and I came up with my 15 favorite, and I won't go through all 15 on, on, on your show here, but probably one of my top favorites, aside from the very first one, which I already described, was my third one. And that was the one of, about the graduated cylinder and the levels of industrial water mastering. And when I first started as a newbie, when I would try to pour out my, or get 50 mLs in a graduated cylinder, I'd pour my sample in there, and you know I'd pour 51 or 52 mLs. And I remember those first few days, I'd try to pour out one mL or half an mL or two mLs, and I'd overshoot, and I'd have 48 mLs. And then I would repeat. And that was not fun. But then my mentors around me, my trainers around me, and they exposed me to the flick where you the can flick. just flick that graduate cylinder and just a few drops come out. And after a flick or two or three, you got your 50 mLs spot on. And so comic number three is about the newbie who pours too much, adds more sample, overfills, empties too much, and repeats. The experienced person, the flick, and getting it perfect was the experienced one. And then I had a third level there, and that was a Chuck Norris level where even though it shows 51 mLs, if Chuck Norris says that's 50 mLs, that's 50 mLs. Oh. <laughs> so that was that was one of my favorites. Another one out there I really liked before is called the Extreme Room Makeover. Imagine this, two panels. On the left, you have a, a drum of our treatment chemicals. Gray, bland floor, green, avocado, green, ugly wall behind it, and a receptacle. But the after shot, it is, it is amazing. The after shot shows a water treatment pest kit open on top of the drum. It has a bucket to the right that says sink on the side of it. And it is absolutely amazing how that room has been transformed. It gives us a certain je ne sais quoi, you can say, who that room is. Absolutely amazing. you got to see it to believe it. And that's comic number 23. So please look it up. 
And um, I mentioned the one we had on, on nitrite. I mentioned the one we have on, on rising tide. They're amongst my favorites as well. But I have a few reoccurring characters in there too. I have newbie and I have boss man. And newbie in some ways is me when I was new, in some ways is other people I've trained over the years who are new as well. And newbie has on a multicolored hat with a, a propeller on top of it. You know, he's new in the game. And boss man, he has gray hair. He's been in this for, for a while. And the very first one I did is a newbie came back to, to boss man and he says, hey, boss, I finished the water analysis. And the boss man says, great job. You know, it's very reassuring. Great job, newbie. There's just one thing. All the pH readings are the same. Did you remove the pH probe cap? And newbie has red cheeks and his eyebrows are up. He's like, what cap? Because he's read, <laughs> he read all those pH samples with the cap on the pH probe. So they're all the same. So, you know, there's, there's so many there. And, and, and as I was looking through them this morning, you know, I was making myself laugh too. And that's my goal. If I make one person laugh, I have reached my goal. And even if that one person's only me, hey, I'm not, I'm not too picky. <laughs> but probably one more I, I want to mention, because if you're a parent and a regular parent, when you're driving down the road, you see a horse, you're like, look, kids, a horse. But in this comic, I show in two panels on the left side, car driving down the road, father's arm or mother's arm poking out, pointing at the horse saying, look, kid's horse. But the second panel, I stuck a cooling tower behind that horse. And an industrial water treatment parent is going to say, look, kid's cooling tower. I love it. So that, that was a very popular one. But yeah, look on industrialwaterscience.com forward slash fun. You'll see all 111. And I'm certainly am not done yet. And I have another one in the back of my mind I'm working on, which will be out soon. So have fun. Look at it. James, it's one of my favorite things to see. What have you come up with? Because it just brings so much fun to our industry. I'll tell you, my favorite one, I was flattered to see it was the Rising Tide one. I, I absolutely love that one. I remember when I did that one, I reached out to you to show you first, just to make sure I didn't offend you by bringing in a rising tide into that and showing reasons why it's not always true. But I, I think it worked. It absolutely worked. I thought it was fantastic. You know, I was going through my memory and I remember my wife and I were sitting on the couch and I don't, she was probably reading something and I was scrolling through LinkedIn. And I came across one of your cartoons, and it was the one with the Mona Lisa. And uh, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm going to scroll through in a second and see if I can find that one. And uh, there's a bunch of people looking at it. And I think one says, oh, it's amazing. Oh, the, the smile. And they're looking at the Mona Lisa on one side. And then right next to it is a picture where they painted of a water molecule with a smile. And they're commenting yes. on how, how wonderful the smile is. And then one of the characters says, ah, the artist was just going through a phase. Yes, a good phase. I, I just yeah. thought that was so funny. And, and I showed it to my wife and she goes, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I personally, and that's, and that's comic number 80. I have it here in front of me right now. And I personally think the Mona Lisa created a few hundred years ago, I have brought it to its pinnacle by including it within the industrial water treatment comic here. It was painted all those hundreds of years ago, just so I could include it in this. Fantastic. It was, uh, and definitely you have. It, it has definitely uplifted the, the art community. James, I don't think it's right for you and I to get together and not talk about the Association of Water Technologies. Now, we've already mentioned it a couple of dozen times on this show, 
But uh, specifically, I wanted to talk about the AWT Technical Committee. So uh, what, what exactly is the AWT Technical Committee? Yes. Well, I and Chuck Hamrick are co-chairs of the Technical Committee. And the, the purpose really is to support the AWT membership. And AWT's vision is that AWT will be the standard and voice of the water treatment industry with a mission to support our members' viability, growth, and development. And that's what we do as a technical committee. We support the technical side of that by giving them the tools, the articles, the videos that we work on as well to kind of explain, give ways to teach, give ways to help people use the technical side of what we do. And we do that with various um, subcommittees. So the technical committee has five subcommittees, and they are the pre-treatment subcommittee, the boiler subcommittee, cooling wastewater, and special projects. And I assume there's a waiting list for people to serve on all of these subcommittees, and it's first come, first serve, and there's dozens of people ahead of them, so there's no reason for anybody to volunteer. Is that what you're going to tell us? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? That, that would be so nice to be able to turn anyone away, but no, we, we don't. They're all volunteers. We get paid zero, we get a raise every year. So, you know, a 5% raise on zero is still zero. But we would love to have more volunteers. And we want, we want people who are, who are going to come in and, and participate. But at the same time, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a pretreatment expert, boiler, cooling, wastewater, or, or what have you expert. You have to be someone who wants to learn more, though. A great way to learn more about boilers is to join the boiler subcommittee. You can come in there, you can listen, you can learn, and you can offer to help on things even if you don't have that experience because you can then learn that experience. And actually, you're kind of the best person if you don't have the experience to help us out because we're trying to communicate this oftentimes one one of our audiences is people who don't have the experience. So you can tell us, are we explaining this properly? Is it too high level? Is it too basic? Or is it just right? So we need experienced folks. We need inexperienced folks. But overall, we need people who want to participate, people who want to give back, um, not someone who wants to come in and just have their name on the list as being a member, someone who joins our monthly calls, and someone, if you're lucky enough, come to our convention who joins our meetings there, and someone who, who contributes, whether it be with their advice or with their elbow grease, whichever it is, we need that in our committees. So the idea of volunteer looks just like you, but maybe you want some examples of what we do as well on our committees. And the pre-treatment committee, they've done things from writing articles in the analyst to uh, making Excel worksheets to help do the, the softener calculations, deoculizer calculations, RO calculations. Right now, they're working on videos for water softeners. Just imagine having videos helping you understand a water, water softener, helping you troubleshoot a water softener, helping you do an elution study on a water softener. They're working on those right now in the pretreatment subcommittee. Boiler, 
they're working on on some boiler guidelines for lower pressure boilers. The ASME guidelines have a range of 0 to 300 PSIG. Well, what you do for a 20 PSIG boiler can be quite different than what you're dealing with for a 300 PSIG boiler. So they're, they're kind of looking to see, should those guidelines be different for lower pressure boilers? So they're looking at those things. Cooling, they're writing articles for, for the analyst on, on cooling tire cleaning and, and, and disinfection. They've done some analysis and a survey on Legionella in municipal water supplies. They're working on putting that to an article. They do webinars. Wastewater's working on, on videos on various wastewater topics. They're working on analyst articles, troubleshooting guides, webinars. They help with the trainings each year, which I know you're involved in as well, Trace. And then special projects. They're working on a deposit analysis cheat sheet and videos to go along with it. And they're even being pulled into a special project to rewrite the raw materials handbook too. So there's a lot of work happening there, a lot of different um, venues and media and whatever. So if you have an interest in, in those projects, you have an interest in those topics, and unfortunately, you have to be a member of the AWT. But if you're a member of the AWT, you know, reach out to me, reach out to Angela Pike, and we will help get you on the right committee. I love it. And AWT recently passed, even if your company is not a member, but you want to be a member, you can be an individual member now. Exactly. You can be an individual member. And I believe that allows you to join a committee. You can't chair a committee, but I think that may allow you to join a committee, which is exactly what we want. We need more people. Our cooling committee probably has the highest membership out there, but we could certainly use more people in pretreatment, boiler, wastewater, and special projects as well. I started out because somebody told me I needed to get involved in a committee, and I remember I thought I had nothing to offer. I was young. I didn't have any experience. What was I possibly going to offer when I saw all these water treatment Jedi that were serving on that committee. So I think everybody goes through that. I'm sure glad that I listened to the person that told me to serve and I fought through that fear that I had. We all have this imposter syndrome. And if we can get past that, there's wonderful things on the other side. And the wonderful things were on the other side were all the people that I met. James, you and I would not have known each other if it wasn't for the AWT. We would not. Yep, you are right. And it is the people. I started off my first thing I volunteered for was in the pretreatment subcommittee. And then um, I met some wonderful people there. And then I got asked to be chair of that committee. I was nervous about that. I didn't know how to have chair a committee, but I figured if they could do it, so could I. So I stumbled my way through it. I chaired that, that committee actually for 12 years, too long to chair a committee, but 12 years. And then from there, I was asked to chair our certification committee for our CWD, and then back again to being the technical chair, co-chair with Chuck Hamrick. And, you know, all of this. And the person who asked me to um, do some of these things was Al Bassett. He said, why don't you be chair of the pretreatment committee? And he kind of helped light fire of, of being able to contribute to the AWT. So I can never talk about my experience with AWT without talking about and thanking Al Bassett as well. There you go. And James, uh, there were some changes in the bylaws this past year. So you are now eligible to serve on the board. And I'm pretty sure you're going to get a nomination from someone, if not many people. So I look forward to seeing what comes from that. It would be an absolute honor. It would be. 
James, this has been a fun episode. Every time you come on, I really look forward to it. I want to thank you so much for all the things you do for the industrial water treatment community, but especially you being part of the show. It has become so much more fun to collaborate on ideas with you. And each and every year you have another idea and then we figure out how we can really blow it up and bring it to the Scaling Up Nation. And we hear so many people that enjoy it. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you do for the industrial water treatment community and all you do for Scaling Up H2O. You're welcome, Trace. Thank you for including me, allowing me to come along on the ride. I really enjoy it. And it's from the heart. It really is. And thank you for giving me a venue for what pours forth from my heart, from my brain, to be able to reach and touch all the people in your audience. I really appreciate that. And thank you for all you do as well, Trace. So James, it sounds like we were getting ready to say goodbye, but I think with our love of Chuck Norris, why don't we throw in a couple of Chuck Norris jokes? I think everybody loves Chuck Norris jokes. Don't you agree? I absolutely agree. And who would possibly say no? I mean, geez. (laughs) You can't say no to Chuck Norris. There's probably a joke in that. All right, I'll get us started. So uh, Chuck Norris doesn't read books. He just stares them down and gets the information he wants. Time waits for no man, unless that man is Chuck Norris. If you spell Chuck Norris in Scrabble, you win forever. (laughs) Chuck Norris breathes air five times a day. (laughs) In the beginning, there was nothing. Then Chuck Norris roundhouse kicked nothing and told it to get a job. When God said, let there be light, Chuck Norris said, say please. Oh, no. The dinosaurs looked at Chuck Norris the wrong way once. You know what happened to them. Chuck Norris's tears cure cancer. Too bad he's never cried. All right, we're going to stop with that because we could go on <laughs> forever. So, uh, so there we go. Chuck Norris. What's your favorite Chuck Norris joke? Tell it to a friend today. James, this has been a fun episode. Every time you come on, I really look forward to it. I want to thank you so much for all the things you do for the industrial water treatment community, but especially you being part of the show. It has become so much more fun to collaborate on ideas with you. And each and every year you have another idea and then we figure out how we can really blow it up and bring it to the scaling up nation and we hear so many people that enjoy it so i just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you do for the industrial water treatment community and all you do for scaling up h2o you're welcome trace thank you for including me allowing me to come along on the ride i really enjoy it and it's from the heart it really is and thank you for giving me a venue for what pours forth from my heart, from my brain, to be able to reach and touch all the people in your audience. I really appreciate that. And thank you for all you do as well, Trace. I really mean it when I say that is a gentleman that I rely on so much. He was one of the first people that I spoke to when I thought about doing a podcast like this. And we talked about imposter syndrome. I definitely had imposter syndrome. Who would listen to me talk about industrial water treatment? Well, I'm sure glad that I called James because he told me, and it was pretty much word for word, if anybody can do this, you can do this. 
And I want to see this podcast succeed. James, thank you for those words. Because you gave me support, we now have something like 20,000 listeners of the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Last time I looked, we were in 92 different countries. We're mostly in the United States, followed very closely by England, then Australia, then I want to say Ireland, and then Italy. It's really cool to see all of the different cultures, all the different countries that are listening to the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And I think that goes to show that our industry has no borders. We understand industrial water treatment. We have similar issues. So regardless of where we live, of what we do in a culture, it doesn't matter. We are all industrial water treaters. And I think that's why it's so exciting to see Industrial Water Week grow each and every year. We're celebrating year six this year. So I hope you have your calendars marked for October 2nd. That whole entire week, we're going to be celebrating that. And as James and I talked about earlier, we are going to be at the Association of Water Technologies Conference during that week. And I hope to do something special since so many of you come to that conference to celebrate Industrial Water Week with you. I don't know what that is yet, but we've got some things in the works. But all of that to say, James, thank you for all that you do for the nation, for me, for our community. And I hope you have somebody in your life like James. And like I said last week, life is too short to do it alone. So if you are looking to make this year the year that you just knock things out of the park, that you are becoming a better you, you are helping others become a better them. Is that how you say that? Well, anyway, that's what I'm going with. If this sounds like something you want to learn more about, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to find out some more about the Rising Tide Mastermind. We've got a waiting list going for our next group. Perhaps that next group contains you. I would love to have a 15-minute conversation to discuss the mastermind with you to see if it is right. And if it is, see how we can get you started in that next group that's getting ready to form. Nation, you might have noticed that in the last couple of episodes, I have not mentioned all of the different things that are coming up in the water treatment community. And I do that because our staff has done such a great job with our calendar, I can only talk about so many things. So I'm going to start reminding you to go to the ScalingUpH2O.com website, go over to events, and you will see absolutely everything that we know about that even touches the water treatment community. It will all be curated in one place right there in our event section, and it will have a link to take you to the site of what you want to know more about, It will also have a link to put a calendar invite in your calendar so you can guard that time. Our staff has done a great job with that, and I would love for you to check it out and make it part of your regular routine when you're planning your quarter, your month, your year, whatever. You go to that page and you figure out 
What is something that I can go to that is going to enhance what I am doing right now? And trust me, just as James and I spoke about, you will find something that will enhance what you are doing now. It will allow you to meet other people. It will allow you to learn about topics that you want to learn about. And it will give you friendships that will last for more than 20 years. And that's what James and I were talking about. So go ahead, go to scalinguph2o.com, go over to events and see if you can find some things that you want to attend this year. By the way, if you are not the owner of your business and you're thinking, Trace, I can never go to the owner of the company and ask them to pay to go to whatever it is you're probably right the way you're thinking. And I, as an owner, would probably not invest in you the way you're thinking right now, the way that you are delivering the message. So how do we deliver the message differently? Imagine if you went to the person that was in charge of the financial decisions or giving you permission to go to one of these conventions or expos or whatever it is, and you give them a case of why you want to go. You also add to that case what you hope to bring back to the company because they invested in you, and then you say you are going to teach at least one of the topics you learned about to your company. That's a different conversation, isn't it? So that's now an investment, not just in you, that is an investment in everybody. That allows everybody to go to part of what you were sent to with just the cost of you being sent to it. That's a return on investment. That's just not spending money, that's investing money. So that's the mindset whenever you ask for something to expand your education, to make you better at whatever you're trying to be better at, that's what I want you to focus on. How do you make it an investment and not an expense? What is the person that's making the investment going to get out of it? And how does it turn into an investment that pays dividends? totally different conversation. So let me know what you decide that you want to go to and how that conversation goes. Nine times out of 10, most times people are so impressed to hear how well thought out your words are because you have them in mind, not just you in mind. I'd love for you to try it and I'd love for you to let me know about it. Nation, one more thing before we sign off. James McDonald's book, we did not talk about it. It's called Drop by Drop, and it's all of these technical writings that James has put together over his years in water treatment. It is a great water treatment resource to just learn about all things water treatment. If you ever wondered why do we do a certain thing, chances are he wrote about it. And you can get that by going to our website, and we will have an affiliate link all ready for you. 
to get his book. So Nation, never take your hands off 10 and 2. We always have show notes ready for you so you don't have to take notes. We always have those links already for you so you can go directly and get the materials that we are mentioning on this show. And all the people that do that is our fine staff here at Scaling Up H2O. So thank you to all the people that help us make this podcast what it is. We get so many compliments. Well, let's face it, I get so many compliments on so many things that our staff does. You guys make me look good each and every week. Thank you for what you do. And Scaling Up Nation, thank you for listening. We're going to have a brand new episode for you next week. In the meantime, have a great week, folks. 